James, I loved our conversation with Vlad today because, you know, anything that has to do with instant payment, anything that has to do with payments, period. But, right. you know, FedNow has, has made a big splash in, in yes. the uh, trade press. I yes. think that Vlad had a really good take on it. I, I do, too. Um, I think, you know, you know, this whole FedNow thing has kind of been in the works and we've been talking about it off and on. But the fact mm-hmm. that it's, it's actually here now, live, going live and yeah, that's that's a big deal. And I think our industry really needs to understand it from a lot of different perspectives. And I think Vlad did a good job of covering um, all of those different perspectives. I love your question from the field segment, shall we say. Uh, it wasn't really a question, but it was a, a great discussion of core values. Um, yeah. And you really know, you know what's that. interesting, Patty, is I actually have gotten a lot of questions about it from consulting clients because they're always mm-hmm. asking me about, mm-hmm. you know, well, what, you know, their company culture and why they can't seem to get things moving a lot of times. And, and a big part of it is that people aren't aligned. And so, yeah, I enjoy talking about that. And then tell us about the insiders. Oh, uh, it's about toast getting burnt. Um, <laughs> which like I, as I, as I said at the beginning of my segment is a uh, Turner phrase I've been dying to use. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Stick around for that. Um, before we dive into that interview, let me just say that Vlad, uh, well, Natibia, uh, Natibia Banking is one of my consulting clients. Uh, they're an advertiser, sponsor, all of that sort of thing. Uh, they didn't pay me to do this interview, but I always like to present that ahead of time that that is one of our active uh, consulting clients and advertisers. Um, and so with that being said, let's dive into this interview with Vlad. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Pat and I are here today with our good friend, Vlad, who is the CEO at Nativia. How are you doing today, Vlad? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so Thanks for being here. We are going to talk today about a very exciting new thing uh, that just kind of came out here, which is called FedNow. Um, Patty's had a few different insiders reports about it. Mm-hmm. We wanted to talk to somebody like Vlad, who's had a lot of experience in the banking side of things as well. So, Vlad, maybe you could start off. You've been on the podcast several times. I think everybody kind of knows your backstory a little bit. But what is FedNow? Like, what is this thing? Give us kind of the high level, and then we'll dig into some details. So, FedNow is uh, an instant network that's now originated by Fed that basically will move forward uh, fast money movements between banking and financial technology institutions uh, around the country. And uh, every other um, uh, country has had some sort of uh, faster payment options for many, many years. Um, in Europe, very, very popular concept is open banking. Uh, in our country, uh, there was uh, uh, a thing called RTP, real-time payments, mm-hmm. that kind of started in 2017. Right. Uh, had some some success, but not not as much. And now finally Fed decided to wake up and they finally do trying to do something about it. Yeah. And, you know, and the point I think that, you know, some of our listeners should understand is that the Fed doing it means that eventually every bank and credit union in the country will have access to offering these instant payments to their customers. Um, whereas with RTP, there's only a handful of banks that actually are doing that. Well, RTP currently uh, it, because it was an earlier network, RTP currently covers um, about seventy percent of the banks. Right, but are that many of them actually using it? Uh, a lot of a lot of them are using it, but they're using it to push money out of their right. bank. Right. They're not using it to retrieve the money in. To pull money in. So right. So so you know, even though the capabilities are there on the RTP network, it's not the scenario under which banks are comfortable doing money in. With right. FED, it will be a two-way street uh, very, very quickly. Right. Um, RTP is uh, a product of Clearinghouse, 
and it's built on the MasterCard rails uh, that right. MasterCard acquired in Europe company called Wordling oh, oh. a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah right, and and uh, and uh, that that network is a very stable, uh, very good network, and it's pushed by Clearinghouse, which also you know does majority of the ACH payments in the country. Um, but um, obviously, with Fed, Fed had Fed Wire for so many years, right, right, um, and so many people rely on Fed Wire today. Um, obviously, Fed moving up to that scale, it will it will definitely speed up the process of innovation in the real time and space. RTP has some advantages, which we can talk about later. But uh, um, I think over time, you know, quite honestly, my 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 money's on Fed. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, and, that's and a good that's a good bet to that, make, right? Yeah, I think it's a great bet. Um, but you know, the, and the other thing that always struck me about the Fed, even Fed Wire, is you know it wasn't available on weekends and holidays. You know, whereas Fed now is going to be twenty four by seven by three sixty five over time. Keyword. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, we so. know the government. The government always gets things done on time and on budget. I mean, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so Fed, the Fed's the best. Right. So, Vlad, um, that's a really good segue. Actually, you mentioned kind of the innovation side of it. So who has the, you know, access to using FedNow at this time? You know, what types of organizations are even able to start innovating with this technology today? So uh, Fed is starting with 53 partner banks, uh, the actual list of it available on the Fed website. And uh, there's larger banks, of course, there. Uh, there's some smaller banks and there's two fintechs that are actually starting to provide FedNow services. Um, and that's their starting point. Major, major difference between FedNow and the real-time payment network today is FedNow is available for transfers up to half a million dollars, where RTP network is available up to a million dollars. And as a matter of fact, oh. funny thing is, RTP had their highest number this month. Yes, I saw uh, that. Ever. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's the Fed influence. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How would you say the Fed now, though, differs from, you know, other quote unquote instant payment methods like Venmo and Zelle? Oh, so Venmo and Zelle in the back use uh, use payment networks right. uh, such as RTP and uh, uh, push the payments, which mm -hmm. is a very popular network that both MasterCard and Visa has. So it mm -hmm. goes to the through card, card brand rails, right? So mm -hmm. MasterCard Send is a push network that gives you instant payments, card to card transfers. Um, and the Visa is the same thing called product called Visa Direct. Uh, mm -hmm. Together they cover 90% of the cards which are connected to the checking accounts, which allows them to put the money into your account during the weekend hours, right? Okay. So yeah. uh, that's, the, that's the major major difference between um, how you could you could you could push the money right right uh-huh yeah, I, so, th I would think the, I would think the other big difference too is just as far as like when you think about fed now you know at least for me when I think about fed now I don't think as much about consumer type payments I'm thinking more of like businesses moving money around would be a pr the primary like at least the initial I don't know Vlad do you agree with that or is it going to be more of a innovation on consumer payments or is it going to stick to more b2b for the beginning I think it's going to be uh b2b in the in the beginning but it will quickly go into the consumer due to the financial technology companies starting to utilize uh sure. those rails That's a good point What's and the they're going to start and, and, right they they're going to augment their payments so we you know everybody's thinking about how they're going to augment their payments uh, uh you know how they make it more economical uh, for them internally, and therefore, 
continue to have the same user experience um, um, as a whole. And so that's that's kind of where that is. And I think also a very important part to understand is uh, um, how it's going to impact our uh, payments merchant services business. Right. Um, so think about it today when when companies uh, like ours that have uh, a payments bin, uh, we we go out to Fed at 11 o'clock at night and we initiate the payments from Fed by doing Fed wires. Uh, once once that scenario goes back down to the bank, uh, the bank that has Fed now capabilities no longer need to send it out to Fed. And therefore, uh, we'll be sending out money from the bank over to the merchant, uh, uh, over to the merchant versus going out to Fed. And that will make it instant and it will make it uh, available pretty much as you mentioned, James, 24 yeah. seven. And so that's the cool part for merchant services that's gonna change over the next, I wanna say 12 months. So do you think that the Fed now is gonna replace legacy systems like Fedwire and the ACH? I don't know about ACH, but definitely Fedwire. It's Fedwire is gonna be sort of history at some point. I, I am 100% convinced that that would be the case. And my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Vlad, but Fed, Fed wires are pretty expensive. It's generally kind of expensive to do anyway, right? And it's expensive to do. It's expensive to do. It's 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 cumbersome. It's you get the the money in 20 minutes, technically mm-hmm. speaking, right? And in some cases, it's manual, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think think about that, you know the amount of hurdles that you could overcome by doing right. Fed now. Plus, the bank now is able to provide much more flexible connections to uh, clients is 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 invaluable. Mm-hmm. Invaluable. Yeah, sure. If you were if you were the CEO of Visa, Vlad, what would be your thoughts on Fed now? And, and what I mean by that is, is there a, is there any concern here that the innovation is actually going to become kind of competing with the networks? There's hey, there's no interchange, so this is a much faster, less expensive way, and so now we're going to yeah, I don't know. Like, is there is there is there a world where there's a, a maybe a threat to the card brands in, in your mind or no? So you have to think about it from the card brand perspective in, in in two different facets. Number one, card brands have been preparing for 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 movements like that for quite some time, right? So they've been buying auxiliary services for many many years at this point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So Visa tried to buy Plaid, right? Uh, they didn't succeed in that. Mastercard, however, did, did buy a company similar to Plaid. Um, and that now have MasterCard connectivity. We actually use it in-house for our banking services. Um, MasterCard uh, and Visa both did uh, faster rail payments. They did chargebacks. Um, uh, they bought chargeback companies. Uh, they are trying to move into the in, into that world to diversify their interchange revenue. Of course, they over time, I think that they'll take a hit um, with interchange revenue, specifically on debit. Mm-hmm. Right? right, because debit doesn't have any risk. So why would I why would I use my debit card if I can just do bank to bank transfers? As a matter of fact, uh, you know Jamie Dimon recently spoke to their team at Chase, and they're moving everything into the Chase network oh. of 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 being able to do very similar thing that Fed now does because um, you know they they see what's coming. Right, and interestingly enough. You know, there was there was interesting um, um, observation made for Chase card business 
and that includes debit cards, even though it's regulated, it's a $5 billion business. So for Jamie Dimon to say something like this and say, we're going we're gonna to go another direction. We're going to go uh, bank, bank transfers directly mm-hmm. to Chase uh, route and, and put a lot of money into that effort is basically squashing almost right. a $5 billion business within Chase. So right. they're obviously, if, if somebody like Chase thinks like that, you know, I, I can't imagine what CEO of Visa is going to be thinking uh, uh, as, as this thing gets popular. Right now, they're just going to probably take a wait-and-see approach like right. anybody else would. Uh, but they're obviously going to have to diversify their revenue over time. That's I'm definitely yeah. convinced with that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about that because I, I thought about that a lot. Every time I see the Fed now stuff, in my mind, I'm always like, I wonder what Visa's thinking when they're seeing this. You know, it's, just, it's interesting. Um, it's still going to have credit volume. Don't forget uh, yeah, they got still going to be there. The of course, yeah, I, I, I think right. I love, I love your point. I wasn't thinking about that. That really, it's more of a debit thing. You know, th- as far as a threat goes, it's like mm-hmm. people are still going to want to use their credit card. FedNow does not provide them with a credit line, <laughs> so that that makes Correct. sense. Um, right. What about right. um, kind of a very much of a shift in direction here? But like small business owners, right? Um, how is this going to impact them uh, longer term? I mean, how do you, how do you see this? What you know? How is this innovation going to change the way that small businesses operate, if at all? The question is kind of probably should be um, different. Um, how is the companies that are innovating within within the small business market are going to provide services right. to yes. the small business owner? Small business owner, unfortunately, is absolutely helpless uh, with any type of money movement scenarios, which is what we're talking about. Right. So it's the companies that are going to provide these solutions to small business owner that are going to be providing the opportunities for small business owners to do things in you know different fashion. And that's 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 part of that's part of the innovation. So this is this is a question as you know, who's going to get to that small business owner faster? Who's going to be able to right. give them a product that they're going to love or yep. they're going to fall in love? And I'm, I'm sure it's going to fall around the fact that, uh, you know, what's what's the main pain points for a small business owner? Right. Number one pain point is interchange, right? Yep. It's it, it's right. probably one of the biggest expenses, uh, biggest expense a small business owner currently incurs outside of their utility bills. You know, when when I started in this business 20 plus years ago, we, we used to come into a mer- merchant and we used to pitch, so look, if you take accept credit cards, your sales are going to be larger and, and, and you're going to benefit on the fact that we're going to bring all these card holders in, right? Mm-hmm. Today, you can't pitch that product. Today, people understand that, you know, the card holders are going to come. It's already there. Everybody has it, right? right. The network's established. So, yep. Right. The network established. And now you need to think about how do you going to optimize your costs versus anything else? Right. So that's why, you know, things like cash discount is now popular, right? Right. right. And so that's, that's, uh, that's really what the situation with the small business owner is. So um, as of right now, somebody who is involved in kind of this neo-baking scene and all of that, you know, and you're seeing Fed now happening. What are like? Let's make this really practical. Like, like what kind of really specific innovations or things do you see? You already mentioned kind of for our industry, you know, being able to pay merchants out instantly. What are some other things that you think banks are going to come out with in terms of actually like productizing FedNow? I think some of the banks are going to come out with, uh, uh, you know, pay pay directly to the bank. I think that's going to be that's going to be coming very quickly. Um, so big banks are going to not going to start using Zelly. They're going to say, look. You know, yeah, we can use Zelly, but we, but you can really, we can really, uh, you know, pay directly to us. So pay, pay by bank, pay to bank, pay by bank is mm. probably going to be something, something people are going to do. And, uh, yeah. you know, they, they amass a, a huge volume of people. And right. I'm sure there's going to be an app that's going to just incorporate a bunch of banks 
I mean, look, I mean, five banks in a country control majority of the deposits in this country, right? right. So yes, they did Zelle, but uh, I think that they're gonna they're gonna separate it from themselves and basically say we can we can just run this. And I think that Zelle is gonna also create their own payment network. If you ask me, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of talk about it. Yeah, and I think they're gonna have enough enough cloud to yeah. be able to do that. Right. Sure. Um, and so I totally see pay by Zelle. Uh, um, as an alternative option to credit cards and pay by Zelle being a bank to bank type of payment, you're using bank to bank, and in the back is right, bank to bank, and in the back is going to be Fed now, right? Right. What about the payment processing industry? You know, how do you see Fed now impacting our audience? You know, and what, if anything, should ISOs and, and uh, sales reps be doing at this point to prepare for? I think, I think the number one thing that's going to be that people are going to be doing is they're going to try to get the money to the merchants faster, right? Mm-hmm. Today's next day. I mean, we've been offering same day for quite some time. It's a popular option within our portfolio. Mm-hmm. I think that instant funding is going to be the next thing. So we're going to start mm-hmm. running yeah. on speeds similar to, to stock market. Right. You know, when you, when you, when you come in, when you come into TD Ameritrade and, and you see prices change instantly, this is how fast deposits are going to be coming in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I think ISOs and agents have to be thinking about it and have to be working with banks, banks and ISOs that are actually, you know, at least developing those type of products uh, right. over the next uh, 12 months, because it's really bank dependent, right? We are all subject right. to sponsorship by the bank. So if you're with the bank, that's not looking into that direction and not working on the Fed now solutions, then uh, long-term you, you're going to have that portfolio at a disadvantage. So if you start placing and you start talking to the bank and say, Hey, Hey guys, what are you doing about Fed now? Are you going to be part of it? Are you going to, are you going to, you know, do something about it? And uh, if the answer is yes, you're in good hands. If the answer yeah. is no, you should be thinking about uh, partners that will, that at least thinking about it today. Yeah, I like that. So, so let's let's get really specific here with what you're doing, Vlad. I'm really I'm really kind of curious about this. I know you always have a, you know, you're like me, you always have a million things going on here, and you know, so right. you're seeing Fed now. I know you're seeing opportunity. So um, let's talk about two things. So first of all. Um, I would love for you to talk for a minute about Nativia banking specifically for the ISOs, right? Because that's something we've never talked about on the podcast. So give us maybe the elevator pitch of that kind of concept, why you've done that. And then I'd love to also hear what plans are, if you, I'm not sure how much you could share, but you know, what kind of roadmap stuff do you have with FedNow and maybe even specifically as, as it relates to this ISO banking thing? Uh, so uh, we are looking at providing um, on Nativia banking, we are looking at providing additional services, of course. We're subject to, you know, bank being willing to be part of Fed now right. infrastructure, right? Sure. So uh, the good news is that Nativia Banking Services, uh, it's a financial technology app just like Square. And the good news about that is that uh, we are partnered with a number of banks, not just one right. at this point. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at the same thing that I was just telling you before, which is whoever of our bank partners are going to come up with the ability for us to move money faster. That's who we're going to be, you know, pushing our accounts in and uh, looking at these services. Today, within the TV banking service, we provide um, ACH services. We provide uh, uh, next day ACH and same day ACH. Uh, but we don't provide um, any wire services yet uh, or or uh, or the uh, um, services that are related to uh, uh, even faster payments like push and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, obviously we're going to, we're going to push that initiative right. further to try to provide those, um, 
to try to provide those. And obviously, we're at a disadvantage because Zelle, until recently, did not accept neobanks uh, into their ecosystem. So you can't send me money to Zelle. It's the number one problem that we've been mm. discussing with everybody. So right. one of the things that we're actually doing is, uh, you know, we're verticalizing our solution and we are creating an Ativia network. And what the Ativia network is, we created bank-to-bank transfers. So for ISOs specifically, which I think is is something that ISOs do not have today, and I've talked to many, many people, especially at the latest show in MWAA, um, that we're going to be able to pay the residuals instantly within the TV network. So one of the things that we're doing is we are encouraging our ISOs. We're actually, as a company, moving all of our deposits starting uh, the month of September to be paid only to an Ativa bank accounts um, uh, as a preferred method of payment. And then we're encouraging all our sales reps and all our sales partners to open up Nativia bank accounts and uh, be able to um, move the money between those accounts instantly. Our account-to-account feature accommodates instant payments. It's absolutely free. Uh, It allows our partners to pay instantly, get their residuals uh, two days earlier than we currently pay. And uh, we obviously going to incorporate bonuses and residuals with it. It's a it's it's right. a very big initiative within the company today, and at the very least uh, within our industry, uh, we will be able to be the fastest guys to pay out the payments. It gives an opportunity to adapt our solutions for every ISO that we have on the books. It gives uh, our ISOs to enroll their agents and move the money within the network of Nativia, which is called the ISO-driven network at this point when it comes to uh, commission payments, something very unique. And yeah. it's uh, I think it's a very unique way to experience our products firsthand. You know, it's so funny, Vlad. I was talking to a consulting client recently uh, and, you know, we were going to start doing like an upfront bonus payment. This is like a tech company. <clears throat> and uh, they're like, okay, so... I guess what we should do is like once a month, we need to look back and see like what sales were made and then we would, you know, pay this bonus out. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like you're paying 1099 reps. Like if you're waiting two days for them to get their money, you're waiting way too long. And so and so I was funny, I actually was brought up in the TV of banking because I'm like, maybe talk to Vlad, like set something, you know, because the whole idea is like these agents. And I remember when I had my last ISO that I sold, I guess it was like almost eight years ago now. But I mean, at that time, Vlad, we actually were, what, how did we do this? Hold on, I'm trying to remember. It's either a wire transfer. Anyway, we had this option where the agents, you know, it was like a $400 upfront bonus and the agents could choose to lose like $15 of it to get it like that same day or something. And it was like 40% right. of the bonuses, they took that, you know, and it's like, you could get the money tomorrow, you know, but no, 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 no. Right? I'll take the 15 bucks. I want it right now, you know? And so I think that's, yep. uh, uh, super, super important to have that that concept. So uh, this has been so interesting. Uh, we have a million other questions about FedNow and, and, and P2P and everything else, which we'll get to in another interview. We definitely want to follow this up. But for right now, give us the info on Nativia, maybe Nativia Banking. For those in the audience that want to learn more, they want a partner that's got the Nativia Banking side, but also somebody on the processing side, maybe that's looking into the FedNow and all of that, like where would you send them to learn more? So I would definitely send them to our Nativia uh, uh, side, www.nativia.com. And uh, you can just click on uh, um, ISO banking and you'll get all the information about it. You'll get all the benefits. You'll get 
um, uh, all our or all our benefits that we just made with available to to the audience with uh, hotels and restaurants. There's four percent there. I personally went to the Outback Steakhouse that was around the corner of my office, and it's automatically enrolled it, and I got my five percent cash back uh, just by using the TV banking card. So, uh, Red Lobster, uh, Outback Outback Steakhouse. Uh, Marriotts are all part of our, our our preferred network of partners that are providing discounts to the TVF uh, rewards. And our new reward system is on par with Chase, believe it or not. We don't have all of the partners yet, but the way that you could redeem your products and you can redeem your your, your revenue, it's, it's super, super, super easy. And uh, for ISOs and agents that want to open up the Nativia banking services, uh, even if you don't, if you're not a partner of ours, just open up an account you get to double dip if you become a partner. You get to get the benefits if you don't. Right. And uh, uh, it's 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 really it's really simple. We have a lot of partner interests that have been doing it, and nothing more pays better than instant payments. And yeah. they are instant. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome, Vlad. Well, thanks so much. Always enjoy your insights. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. You're welcome, James. Always always happy to have. Yeah, thanks again, Vlad. It's really informative. Hey everybody, this edition of the Merchant Sales Podcast is brought to you by ISO AMP, the leader in full service statement analysis. Uh, today, Patty, I just want to talk for a minute about marketing, okay? Um, we have really designed our API, we've designed our marketing campaigns, all of this to allow for marketing automation. So whatever it is that you're doing with merchant services, you're out there marketing, probably a big part of that at some point in the sales process is going to be looking at a statement, understanding margin. Um, and if you work right. with our team, we can help you automate whatever that process is. We can automate, you know, taking the pricing from our system and, and feeding it into an online app like an under.io or uh, Iris or something like that. Um, and so whatever automation you're looking for, we have the API now to do that. We have all of this already rolled out. Our system's really well established, been around for a long time. So if you want to learn more about that, just head over to getisoamp.com. It's G-E-T-I-S-O-A-M-P.com and fill out the form to get a free demo. Check it out. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So, Patty, today I want to share a really quick segment uh, with our audience that is really more geared at the executives and the people that are actually building the, the larger businesses. So, uh, as we close in on, I think in, the, in about a week, we'll have 30 full-time salary paid employees here at our at our company and so, um, oh my gosh, yeah. So that's a lot of growth in the last, you know, I, I kind of got serious about it. I've met you. Yeah. I kind of got serious about it again about 18 months ago after my three and four year old got to be uh, old enough that I was like, all right, I'm going to get back to get back to working a lot more. So, um, but anyway, uh, you know, our culture is so strong here at our company and I actually appointed one of our very first employees that's been with me for a long time. Um, and she's now our chief culture officer. Um, and you know, I got Angela. That's Angela. Yeah. So yeah. Uh -huh. Um, I get a lot of questions from people of kind of like, oh, what kind of a position is that? Is that kind of bogus or what is like, no, no, no. And so I want to talk today about um stated values, shared values, and core values. So okay. most companies will tell you what their core values are, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but they're actually not. Um, for most companies, they're stated values, right? 
Right. And that means they're on the wall. You can read them. Yep. And that's <laughs> the only place they are. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. level one. Level two is right. shared values. So shared values is where you do generally, especially in the recruiting process, you're looking for people that share these values, right? And you you kind of have maybe some standards in place and things like that. And so you have these shared values. So a lot of companies really good. They have shared values. I personally know very, very few companies who have what I consider core values by that true name. Now they might call them core values, but to me, right. a core value means it's the core of, of your company. Right. Um, at our company, we have five core values and you could ask any of my employees what those five core values are and they would be able to immediately uh, tell you what they are and what they mean um, for their position. Um, and that's, a, by the way, a great test for your team to see if you actually have core values. Ask yeah. your employees, what are they and what do they mean? Um, but what's interesting about our core values is that we have a, a you know chief culture officer because what she does, Angela's job is to make sure that we have all of these uh, you know, operating processes that are being done to make sure these values are core to our business. So as I give you a couple of really quick examples, right? So um, our five core values are the only thing that we discuss during our one-on-one -on -one reviews with our employees. So we do quarterly reviews with each employee. And so Angela makes sure that those happen. And also that, you know, in our system, we've updated those core values. So we talk to you about always living, you know, what's your work-life balance like right now, right? Do you need more flexibility? Do we need to change something? How do we make this a better experience? We talk about always learning. We say, okay, let's outline. What did you learn the last three months? What do you need to learn the next three months to position you to grow in your mm -hmm. career and accomplish your objectives, right? Always inspiring. Mm -hmm. What's your attitude like? Are we having any drama, right? So so our, 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 you know, entire process there goes through those core values. That's what our reviews are, is we are reviewing how that employee is aligning with the core values, right? So she does that. Um, she makes sure every month that all of our employees answer, we have a question called, you know, what was your learning experience last month? So tell us some new things you learned and all that. And if somebody doesn't update that, Angela goes in and says, hey, you know, and, the, and tags them in our company chat. Hey, we didn't see your post. We'd love to hear what you learned last month, you know? Um, you know, there's so many things I could tell you. We have to do a big event every year. That's our always living event. Um, so she's working on planning that for next year already. And so all of these things are driving these core values because they're actually at the core of the business. So my quick challenge to you right. today is if you have a business really of any size, you're looking to grow. I had these core values. Uh, we added the fifth one, but we had the other four core values, you know, 10 years ago when we've had, had them all, all along. Um, no matter what size your business is, do you have core values? Are they meaningful? Do your employees know what they are? Do they know what they what they mean? And are they actually core operationally to the review, pro the recruiting process, the review process, the execution, everything? Are they uh, actually core? If they're not, you might consider getting some core values because it's just going to make your life a lot better and it's going to make your company a lot more successful. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Okay, well, here's a turn of phrase I've long wanted to use. Okay. Toast got burnt. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Bad. <laughs> yes. Yes, they did. Uh, first, it introduced the 99 cent surcharge on for online orders, right? Uh, of $10 or more. Then within weeks, in response to public outcries, it reversed course. Yes. And then the stock market rewarded it by um 
diminishing the value of the stock price by 15% in the space of about a week. You yeah. know, the CEO said in the statement on the reversal that it was a wrong decision. But an analyst, uh, here's something I, I read from an analyst this morning. Certainly the leadership team looked ineffective because of this wishy-washy behavior. Yeah. Still, Toast continues to struggle because of its longstanding obstacle, achieving profitability, which, of course, we've discussed here many times. Right. But, you know, here's where things, for me, I thought things got really interesting because in the days following the reporting on the, on the new Toast fee, there were several social media posts, uh, apparently from restaurant owners, that Pfizer was implementing a similar surcharge through Clover. That is not so a Pfizer executive told me. But back to Toast. Um, the move provoked a lot of reaction from competitors who blasted out uh, social media posts uh, you know, about the fee, promoting their fee-free policies. Yep. But it also caught the attention of lawmakers, one congressman in particular from Missouri, uh, Mark Alford, who, who told, uh, he sits on a small business committee and he told Fox Business News that he was ready to investigate this. What I loved was the headline, quote, sudden new fees charge millions of Americans by big tech vendor toast spark congressional query. Now, who wants to have that headline? Yeah. <laughs> Wake up to that headline. <laughs> right, yeah. If you're, when you're the CEO of Toast, that's a really bad start to your that's day. That's a bad headline. <laughs> so here's a couple of quick thoughts I have about all this. Yeah, and sure. James, you know, feel free to interject, yes. but... First, I think it suggests, you know, as we said before, Toast is struggling financially, and it's going to look for other ways to boost revenues. It's going to increase other fees, probably some somewhere somehow. Right. Um, second, in the current political environment, where lawmakers from both parties are pushing pro-merchant legislation like the Credit Card Competition Act, and the White House has declared war on junk fees. I think it's a fool's errand to invent any new fees around the shopping experience yeah. and payments in particular. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I actually made a post about this on LinkedIn that, that got a lot of uh, uh, interaction and reaction. You know, and what I said was, I think this was bungled terribly from day one. Um, oh, yeah. In my mind, they should have done, they would have done two things. I think would have been fine. Only two. The first thing that they should have done is they should have positioned it relative to DoorDash and Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's mm -hmm. really what it is. Right. Now, it's right. not delivery, but it's this right. online order pickup thing. And they should have said, you know, they should have come out and said, hey, press release. Hey, you know what? As we're as we're now really building out our online ordering platform, we you know, had a lot of discussions about what to charge our clients. We wanted to go against what DoorDash and Uber Eats are doing by taking 20, 30 percent of the order. Right. And we instead of implemented a simple 99 cent fee. If they would have presented it that way, instead of it's like, hey, we have an extra fee. Like, what a uh -huh. stupid thing to do. You like uh -huh. that's like to me, that's like PR 101. You got to position yeah, exactly, what you're doing right? in a positive light. Um, they they, they didn't do that. PR people. They do. And then the other thing they should have done is they should have said, and there's, you know, why would they care if the merchant absorbed this, right? Like, why would that matter? Like, literally, it's a toggle switch in the app. They could have their right. developer, whoever developed this, that team could have taken an extra day. Uh -huh. And made the feature. And, and then when they rolled out, they could have said, now by default, you know, we know from, we we all have the data to know customers are used to paying extra fees when they do an online order. Look at DoorDash. But if you don't want to do it. But if you don't want to do that, just toggle the switch and you can absorb it. We're, we want to give you the freedom to manage your own customer right. experience. Right. So if they would have done those two things, I don't think it would have made barely a ripple. 
but they didn't. Yeah, but they, you know, they bungled, bungled it. And I don't, you know, and I do think, I do think this whole war on junk fees, it's going to, it's not just against banks, you know? No, oh, my no. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It's a, They've been talking about airlines and all kinds airlines of stuff. Airlines yeah, and uh, what do you call it? Tickets, online ticket ordering. I mean, I have yep. to admit, I hate that. I hate paying that online ticket order fee. Oh, there's a lot. Uh, of, I mean, every industry now is kind of going with the junk fees and, and yeah. all that. I think it's a, that's going to be interesting. I think, um, you know, one thing I will say in kind of defense of Toast is that, you know, while again, I do think that they kind of made a stupid screw up here. I will say, I think the, I actually read their 10K, like, um, I don't know, uh-huh. the last quarter, 10K. And right. um, their, their financial report, because they're a publicly traded company. You know, Patty, I don't know. I read it and I was like, wow. I mean, <laughs> if you ask me the thing they need to do, if they really want to turn a profit is either like replace the management team or something. I mean, you think? when you yeah. read their financial statement, I mean, to say that Toast is in financial trouble is is just kind of, it's almost ludicrous. I mean, they have 80,000 restaurant locations yes. and, and they're doing the payment processing and the point of sale system. And the thing that's so shocking about all this to me is I'm shocked that they would decide, okay, okay so let me give you an example here. I ran the math on this, okay? okay. If 15% of their transactions right now are, are going to run through this online order thing, which I doubt it's that many. This would have generated $5.3 million a month in new revenue. Right. Now that may sound like a lot, but if you actually not, look at their their yeah. profit and loss report, it's it's trivial. And so to me, why on earth you would do all this negative publicity for the chance of getting five million dollars a month when all you need to do is either number one, find a way to dramatically cut your cost of acquisition, right? Mm-hmm. That would have been easy one from in my opinion, or number two. Find a way to increase some other fee, like seriously, fee. yeah. You know that's yeah. going to impact yeah. everybody. Like if you're going to go to the mat for something, you might as well make it worth your while. If they would have done something like an additional fee per location, like there's a lot. It's interesting, Patty, because we've seen there's a lot of places where they could have done it. Oh yeah, and you know it's funny, Patty. We've actually seen a lot of toast statements with ISOAMP, and what's funny about it is I was under the assumption six months ago that they just are so exorbitantly expensive, right? Um, uh-huh. but they are some of the times, but a lot of times they're ridiculously cheap. It's really strange how they'll have companies that are, we had a, a client we were working with a big restaurant client and they were, you know, their, their toast was, it was like 2.6% flat rate on the processing and pretty reasonable SaaS. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't they do a price increase in this person? Like it, you know, cause I know their margin. Like I know it's not a very highly profitable account. Right. So anyway, all that to say to me, this was the, the, what people don't even realize is this was, this was the 99 cent fee for online orders through their platform that are greater than $10. Like there's not very many of those. I would actually be surprised if it's 10% of their total transactions and they did all this mess, almost got a congressional investigation, all of for that, like- All for $5 million a month. And I just felt when you read their, if you, anybody that looks at their profit and loss report that understands finance, you're like, okay, Square is not in trouble. They just need a different management team with a new objective to generate a profit. Toast. I mean, you said Square, but you meant Toast. I meant Toast. Sorry. Well, yeah, Square is, <laughs> Square is nearly in the same. Square is a whole. We'll we'll deal with that next. We'll week. deal with that next <laughs> week. Yeah. So anyway, but there you. That's my thought. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.